they were like, hey, you know what would be hot? Ancient Greece. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Clothes That Made Us, the podcast where we discuss all things fashion history, fashion ethics, fashion everything and historical (laughs) everything. We just talk about a lot. Uh, So my name is Liv Hutley. I'm an emerging production and costume designer based here in Australia who loves to learn and talk about fashion. And I'm joined by the glorious Ellie Gunton. Oh, thank you, darling. Who is an emerging archaeologist and lover of fashion as well. Yep, yep, a cheeky archaeology student. She's back again. Cheeky archaeology. We should probably start saying archaeology student. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's true. I am an archaeology student. Yes. I like emerging. I'm in my final year. Woo! She's almost an archaeologist. Except no, because in Australia, to be an archaeologist, you have to have an honours degree. Did you know that, audience? Well, now you do. Oh, boy. Well, have fun with that one. Yeah, it's going to be whole nother thing guess what i'm gonna be doing my topic on what what corset <gasps> well everyone if you listen to our second episode you'll know ellie's thesis it's corsets and that's corsets. pretty much it too um i will be exploring it a little bit differently but yeah how it's exciting. Really exciting so today we are talking about all of our favorite well some of our favorite because if it was all it would be like eight podcasts yeah Some of our favourite historical shows. Yes, TV shows, movies, what we liked, what we didn't like. There's a lot of opinions here coming from somebody who designs costumes and somebody who just looks at clothes in general a lot, archaeologically. I, I also watch a lot of television. You do. Like, a lot of television, a lot of movies. I consume a lot of content on the daily Probably a little bit too much, but we won't go there right now. I'm always impressed because you give me the lowdown, so I always know what to watch. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll talk about... We will talk about Marvel in a hot sec. (laughs) Don't even get me freaking started. Yes. There's such a broad spectrum because if you're talking about historical fashion on screen... It's like, how much artistic license did you take? What level... Of artistic license did you take? Because at some point, it's like, you can't do it perfect. You can't use the same construction methods. It takes too long, and you don't have that much time, as you are telling, always telling me, in film, you don't have time. You don't have any time. You're just literally making it on the fly. You're like, that thing looks like it would fit. Put it on. (laughs) Go. Go. Good enough. But yeah, some of my favourites... Of the recent times has definitely been those beautiful Regency gowns in... Bridgerton? 
Yes, Bridgerton. And that's not historically accurate, no. but I think that it is like a, a homage. An homage? To the silhouette. It's it's like a love letter to Regency fashion, Yeah. whilst also being like, this is not realistic. But you know it's not realistic. Yeah, it's like Regency meets couture. Like modern couture. Mm. I can't believe I almost forgot the name of Bridgerton. That's terrible. I love, I love that. I actually read the first book. Oh yeah, what was the book like? It was really interesting. I still think that it's sketchy and it's more sketchy in the book. Oh. It's more sketchy in the book than it that's is in the TV take. show. But that's like, <laughs> side note. But let's talk about the fashion. So Regency era. I love the Empire line. So that's where the the waistline is kind of not a waistline. It's more like holding up your boobs kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And we're talking early 1800s. Yeah. It yeah. was inspired by the Greek silhouette. Yes. So basically in the early 1800s, they were like, hey, you know, it would be hot. Ancient Greece. And this was actually coming off the back of an archaeology thing, mm. surprisingly. It was the Grand Tour when gentlemen would go around the Mediterranean and the so-called ancient cities and have a look at things. And they would pick things up as they went along to fill their cabinet of curiosities at home. They had a room that would try and make them look smart. They showed up to people and be like, oh yes, look, I have several skulls on my wall, therefore I must be important. And they were getting really into the Greeks because they reckon that the Greeks must be the most advanced civilization of the ancient world and the Romans. And they wanted to emulate that because they thought they were great, especially the English. And so there was this whole revival of mm. Greek. And it, it's, it kind of comes off the back of unilinear theory of evolution. But that's like a whole theory talk and I'm just gonna put that to the side but yes there was a huge revival of Greek style and Roman style but we are divided on our opinion of the Regency era I love it because you love it I do because Jane Austen exists but I personally specifically having done historical costume at uni I hate it. I hate the Regency line primarily because like, I think I've, I've definitely mentioned this in our previous podcast. Everyone looks like they're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Do you know how many actresses were able to hide that they were pregnant while doing Regency era? I mean, love that for yeah. them. But I find, I just find other eras more interesting generally. But what I do find interesting is the fact that they kind of looked pregnant. And this is really common in historical fashion particularly earlier on women had to look fertile yeah everyone had to look pregnant because we love making babies yeah but they had to be thin as well yeah thin thin but pregnant thin but pregnant (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like we were talking about the other day with the virgin mary trope yeah you had to be a virgin but also a mother and which is impossible for Mm -hmm. everyone but the one woman in Christianity who was able to give birth to the Jesus the Christ. Jesus. Yeah, I, I think Regency really points out a lot of holes mm. in the ideas for mm. what women should be at that time. Uh, we still have, the, the corset was still around, but in... It was Brid- called the Stays. It was called it was the called stays. stays. But in Bridgerton, there's this scene where the girl faints like she's done up her corset really tight and then she goes to visit the queen it's the the (gasps) evil group the the oh penelope's 
sister. Penelope's sister. Oh, I can't she... believe they dressed that girl in yellow. Oh, that. Oh, that was mean. So they pulled, <laughs> in the show they pulled her corset super tight. She wasn't wearing a chemise underneath. That's illegal. That's illegal. Ladies and gentlemen, chemises were always worn under stays, corsets, any Everything. kind of thing because obviously one, it's more comfortable, and two, the mm. chemise was the object that would be washed most regularly, and obviously you can't wash corsets so easy, so if you had something underneath it, the corset wasn't going to get dirty or sweaty, and so that was just the easy way. Yeah, to so, like, I was a bit like, oh, Bridgerton, how dare you, how dare you, but it kind of, it was so historically inaccurate, in so many ways. Oh yeah, like, that it, Ariana Grande, um instrumental classical music i loved that. i was into that that's gonna be my wedding uh one day yeah it's gonna be beautiful uh i was really into that yeah but also in the fabrics they used so we yeah. see this consistently with designers and it's actually i love it it's why i really loved bridgerton is because they've used these really old silhouettes but they've used modern fabrics really modern fabrics and they make it cool so sandy powell does this really really well and she like the denim dress from was are you talking about britney spears denim no, no, dress? No, no 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 there's a denim dress in a historical movie and there's two women and <laughs> i talked about this so the favorite what one of those dresses. okay let me let me backtrack so sandy powell does this sandy powell is a costume designer she's fantastic and in the favorite, she used modern fabrics to create those beautiful gowns. And she did this. One of those dresses was actually made of denim. All what? of her fabrics were modern. And why she did that is apparently, now I don't know how true this is, at Sandy Powell, call me because I want to talk <laughs> to you. Me. But apparently she didn't have a huge budget and not having a huge budget on a historical piece is like That's murder. A it's a killer because those dresses, hundreds of dollars to yeah. make. So she was like, okay, how can I make this work for me? used modern fabrics and that's how the favorite because also in its directing style is quite modern mm. and it's wonderful. It's quite a modern film. It's very quirky. I'm into it. It's a modern lens on a yeah. historical. And so her silhouettes are immaculate, but once again the fabrics change and it's the same in Bridgerton. The silhouette's less immaculate, let's mm. be honest. Well, Penelope's I'm... boobs were literally cut in half. Uh, Poor thing. I'm re- Ugh, that was painful to watch. But once again, the silhouette's there, yeah. but the fabrics are modern. And yeah. they're beautiful. Mm. There's so many dresses that I could talk about. Actually, Penelope's is a really good one. The yellow dresses with those like embellishments. Oh, yeah. I'm obsessed with it. I did love that. But another historical show that you and I watched together... Downton Abbey. Yes. Let's show everyone's watched Downton Abbey. Well, not everyone, but like, I, it's popular. I love Downton Abbey. It's a big, it's a big one. It is a big one. And I, I think that the costume designing for that is absolutely fantastic. It's immaculate. It is just so seamless. And they go through the entire decade and you know, you don't just get to see the, the rich people mm-hmm. and their fashion. You get to see the servants. You get to see the people in the town and what they're wearing and it's just all perfect yeah it's perfect it's stunning it's so well researched you can always tell when a designer has done their research Mm. because it's just it also reads 
one of the successes of Downton Abbey, I think, is that the clothes look lived in. Mm, and I yes, think and they repeat wears. That's one of my favorite parts of it is that it's it's realism to the point where you actually see the wear on the lower classes yeah clothes and you you see you see lady mary will come down and you'll go i've seen that outfit a couple of times before Mm, mm. it's a favorite of mine you know yeah you see that that they're living and wearing these clothes instead of those shows that every day they've got a new outfit what and it just doesn't (laughs) work another show that does that really well is peaky blinders Mm. I loved Peaky Blinders for the costumes. I thought they did their women beautifully, but also the suits. Mm, the well, well-tailored well suits that are historically Delish. accurate. Delicious. Just delightful. Absolutely. But what I loved about it is that they repeated outfits. All of the men repeated outfits consistently. But what I loved, I think it was in the third or fourth season. We meet, spoilers, but not really, you meet these like Russian oligarchs. I'm not sure if they're Russian. They're in that geographical area. And they come over because they've escaped their country and they're running, right? They're running away. And this is set in the 20s, like mid 20s. Yeah, so that would make sense for it to be Russia, actually. Yeah. And so they're coming in and the main, main bloke is having dinner with them. And we see them quite consistently in that season. And what I love is that they've really done their research because the older woman in that family is still wearing Edwardian silhouette and she's wearing probably, and she wears the same dress in every single scene. And that is so important to me because that's probably all she had. Yeah. And it's the same with the young girl who came over. She has a couple of different outfits, but she still repeats. Mm. And I think like the realism in that is beautiful. I like that a lot. And I think I worry that sometimes people watch those shows and they're like, oh, I bet the costume designer like just ran out. And it's like, no. It's a part of the character. It's a huge part of the character. It's what I love about it. I love like telling stories about where somebody has come from through their clothes. It's like my favorite part of costume designing. And I thought that was just super, super clever design. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And there's another show that's actually quite recent. It's A Discovery of Witches. Ooh. And it's only just finished its second season. And it has a couple of time travel elements in it. Mm. And at one point, they go back to the Elizabethan era. And it's just stunning. Mm. I couldn't get enough. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Beautiful. perfect. And you get to see the layers as she's putting them on. You get to see her getting dressed and how difficult it is. Mm. And they even, you know, talk a little bit about how difficult it is for her to ride a horse and how difficult Mm. it is for her to actually function because she's from the 21st century. Mm. And going back and doing that is really hard. So I love that. I also really love going back to Regency, Pride and Prejudice, 1995. Beautiful. Ultimate goals. Beautiful. Emma mm, from I yeah. think 2019, 2020. That was recent, yeah. I loved that film and I, I loved the fashion in it and they took took that inspiration directly from museums. They literally just went, right, we'll take that and we'll take that and yep. we'll take that. Beautiful. Love that film. Whoop. Love that film. What else do I absolutely adore? I want to talk about some controversial ones. Oh, yes. Okay. 
the most recent iteration of Little Women. Now, I loved the film itself. I did. I did I, enjoy I it. I have grown up with Little Women. It was a book my mother read to me. Mm. Like, huge fan of that. Yeah. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed it, the interpretation. However, the costumes, <laughs> they pained me. And I knew what they were trying to do. Like, I get it. I really, I deeply understood where they were going with that creative choice. The Ugg boots were a whole moment. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just look up Little Women Ugg boots and you'll, you'll know. That was a real, real second um, that I was like, oh, okay, bold. And I'm pretty sure... They make a point of saying that Joan doesn't wear a corset because I'm pretty sure Louisa May Alcott was like making a, a bit of a point mm. about corsets. Yeah. Because she was one of those dissentals, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Listen to our corset episode. Yes. <laughs> but we also see Joe in that iteration of the film she wears uh masculine clothing at yes, a couple of points which we love and we stand and i do think would have been realistic especially like i, I think joe would have been quite a representation of a, a of a normal character yeah. you know a, a female who whose father had left to war, go to war they had no males left in the house, and so she assumed the masculine role, and she mm. really took that on quite literally. Yeah. Also, we need to talk about it. Okay. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> now, look, there's some things in it that I'm like, yay. Yes, I loved it. Like the British army outfits. Tick. Tick. Actually, the first film, lots of parts of it, I was like, yep. I'll take that. It's as the series goes on that it just slowly, it just, slowly goes down. It just goes down. It just loses its authenticity. And there's one bit I want to talk about. I think it's in the third one. And Will has had, he's had the curse put upon him. Oh yes, But William. they have until sundown. Then they, to, 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 what's the, the formal term? Consummate their marriage. Canoodle, yes. as one would say. Yes, so they go to the island and they do that. And you get an image of Elizabeth Swan's very, very smooth leg. Oh my, okay, so we're going to talk about body hair. Let's get into it. You know, that's going to be a whole rant for another day. But mm. I do want to briefly mention Elizabeth Swan. How would she have had the goddamn time <laughs> to, shave, to her legs. shave her legs? Shaving your legs wasn't popular back then either because no one saw them. Like, yeah. No one saw them. If they saw them, that was a huge deal. You were a scandalous tart. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit skanky, one would say. But even, like, she spends weeks, if not months, on the freaking run at that point. Yeah. And yet, you're telling me she's had time to shave her legs. To run a razor quickly over her legs. And her eyebrows. Let's not forget the fact that her eyebrows are, like, perfect. Now, eyebrow plucking was a big thing. It was in that in that time so that's sort of okay but still when would she but have had still the time? when would she have had the time that is my point and one thing i hate about films is mm. that they assume that the natural form of a woman is just hairless mm. yeah like they assume that that's the base plate they're working from but i think hot take costume designers should be working from a literal base plate of what a woman would naturally look like mm-hmm. with no 
alteration and then go from there and go, would it make sense for this character to have removed their body hair, for them to have done certain things? Yeah. And actually look at that as part of the costuming mm. experience. Because body hair, you know, we do hair and makeup, we do costuming, but we don't ever look at body hair as a part of it. And some, some films are so historically accurate, down to the like the point and they then they raise their arms up and then they've got bare underarms and i know it's a thing for actors as well yeah they might not be comfortable with that i was about to like put in from the costuming perspective it really does come down to conversations you have with your actors mm. because i mean but like is it, is it even a conversation that's even happening um yes definitely there is i have only costume designed for theater though so it's a bit different. Mm. But in the city, you can't really. No. It's so far away. No, you can't. One thing that for my graduate show at university, I did a 1950s piece, mm. but it was a 1950s piece with a cross dressing main character. Mm. And so we had a gender non binary actor playing the lead and this person had body hair. It's funny, I don't recall having a direct conversation with them but I've I just kind of often you just kind of leave it to their own choice and agency because it does come down to them giving a good performance and them being comfortable Mm. so I don't know I just think it should be a chat I think it should be a chat and I will be included as the as part of the hair and makeup and body hair I agree just a, like a brief paragraph I don't know if, if you do like thesis write ups for for you, no, you don't do that. That's no. that's good. That's nice. That's <laughs> uh, we do it like like I like to kind of think about what I enjoyed of that process and what I could have done better. And conversations with actors, it is a learning process, and mm, yeah. it's something that you learn the more you do it. And uh, it's just about making safe spaces. Yeah, because I feel like on film, all we've ever seen are these sleek and hairless women. And so that just becomes the norm and the, the natural way to be. And if you're any other way, then that's, like, not normal. That's mm. different. And that's just not the way the world works anymore. And it never really did work that way at all anyway. Something else, another moment in The Greatest Showman, right? Oh, yes. Here's some spicy tea. The bearded lady, we love her, but she's got body hair for a point, right? She's, yes. They're making a point. She's different, but it's okay to be different. That's the point they're making. When she raises her arms up in This Is Me, she has no hair on her underarms. So mm. she has removed the hair under her underarms, but not on her face, which has been causing her so much pain mm. and anguish. And it shouldn't. No. It shouldn't. She shouldn't feel like that. But you'd think, realistically, if she had the option to remove her underarm hair or her facial hair, which one would she do first? Yeah. Yeah. And that, to me, said, oh, so you're only okay with having body hair on screen if it's for a point. Yeah. Like, same with Frida, the Mm. film Frida. Like, the monobrow, super iconic for Frida Kahlo. Absolutely. Love love it. Love her. Uh, But she was in a cast... For literal months, like a full body cast, still had shaven underarms. What was with that? And like, I get that some actors are uncomfortable with that, but you can actually add hair on. 
controversial. Mm. You can add hair on to actors and they can still maintain their shaven image yeah. for themselves. I don't know. It's it's controversial, but I do feel like the more different options we give women on screen, the the more women will be allowed to be different and just the variety, the rainbow that we know and love. Yes, indeed. I love that that really turned into a segue about body hair. It always will with me. Yeah, that's true. It always you will. You have strong opinions on body hair. I do. I do. I always have. Yes. It's been one of those things that you don't think about until you think about, and then all of a sudden it's all you think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, do you have a film that you absolutely hate for the costuming that you just can't watch? Literally any of the Musketeers movies. <laughs> but, like, they're supposed to be bad, you know? But I think a lot of, like, fantasy films that are, like, based around fairy tales, like mm. the fairy tale mm-hmm, films, mm-hmm. and they've got, like, the ye olde costume. And I love it when people say old-fashioned, and I'm like, what do you mean? Which one? Pick one. Usually people mean the Wild West kind of late 19th century vibe. Or they mean like hella early medieval like 1400s That's like oldie, ye oldie. Ye oldie. And that's what is my pet hate about like fantasy films. It takes that medieval vibe and then But they, they never do it well. They never do it well. You know, I argue otherwise. Oh, okay. While I have very strong opinions on Lord of the Rings, mm. I think their costumes were freaking gorgeous. I, I did enjoy the Lord of the Rings costumes. And Arwen actually had really surprisingly accurate mm. 14th, 15th century. Oh, she did too. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long time since I've watched those films. Yeah, that was that was a real vibe for me. I really enjoyed that, that aspect yeah. of it. You know what's another film that I cannot stand in terms of its um, like costuming? Literally, like, Troy, Alexander the Great, ah! anything that is, like, Greek, Roman, Gladiator. Gla- oh my god, do not even get me started on Gladiator. Any of those kinds of films, nah. Like, deeply problematic in so many ways. Yeah. In terms of their casting, in terms of their historical accuracy, but also in terms of their leatherworking. The mummy. Oh my god, okay, but don't touch the mummy, it's like... Now it's like jumped from ancient Roman to ancient Egyptian. Yeah, look. Look, we we will do a whole watch series, and we will watch the mummy together. I love the mummy. It's um, a personal favourite. I actually must admit, the first time I watched it, I watched the first ten minutes and then I got so freaked out that I had to turn it off, and this was only a year ago. <laughs> and then I decided, no, I've got to do this. I'm an archaeology student. I've got to watch the friggin' mummy. And I did. I watched it. And, it, you know, I love Brendan Fraser so very much. I watch him in anything. Looney Tunes back in action. I watch it on repeat. I love that film. Yeah. And I love him. And I, I appreciated it. But it was so dodgy. It was pretty It was pretty, pretty dodgy. My family had indoctrinated me. 
into the mummy oh, from a very, very young age. I'm really shocked yours didn't as well. No. Because uh, for for those who do not know us, both Ellie and I's mothers are librarians. It yes. is a it is a bond we share that both of our mothers are librarians. And there is a line in the mummy where um like the main gal yeah, is a bit a drunk. She's a librarian, isn't she? She's a librarian and she stands up and like looks at Brendan Fraser and she's like, I'm a librarian. And then she like <laughs> passes out. And that's the vibe of yeah, both of our mothers. <laughs> literally, like, it's, it, I've been watching it since I was Gym so club. young <laughs> because literally every time my mum mentions that she's a librarian, my dad will be like, I'm a librarian. <laughs> and it's really funny. Another archaeology film that I'll just throw out there that I dislike, but I also like, yeah, is Indiana Jones. Yes. Um, controversial. Marion is better than that. Evie chick. Is that her name, Evie? Yes, it is. Um, don't come for Evie. She is my favorite female character, even though she has very little substance and it would not have passed the Bechdel test but Marion and Indiana Jones's relationship is sketchy but we won't we okay we won't both films have their flaws we we won't get into we it we love them anyway I want to talk about a Marvel film okay I want to talk about Captain America oh boy the first Avenger oh the 40s bit yeah oh god <laughs> oh that was a real moment that was a real moment that um, nobody wanted <laughs> look I particularly want to chat about Peggy Carter. Like, I love her. I love her. I love her so character. So much. She's really cool. And I actually think that she is one of the most consistent Marvel characters. Like, she's there for everybody's storyline. I agree. She touches absolutely everybody's lives. So, go Peggy. But her, there are a few times in the 40s... I. I kind of get why when she's working, she doesn't have everything done up. Like, why would she? Yeah. But there's one particular bit mm. where she's come out and she's going, she's gone to the bar to see all, all of the gentlemen. Love her. And she's got this 40s look, but it's not a 40s look. Mm. And I was like, oh, you had one, one chance. Is that the one where it kind of went into 80s? Like, almost? I don't think so. I, don't, I can't remember that. Mm. All I know is that I was like, oh. It's rough. Not a fan of that dress, that red dress that she mm. was wearing. I was like, ugh. You had only one time to show off great 40s female fashion. But then Marvel really did a 180 on their historical accuracy and involvement, and they were like, boom, WandaVision. Oh my god. God. Can we just talk about WandaVision for a minute? WandaVision. That was delightful. my mind. I'm like, look. Perfect. The costumes, I really loved. I really loved. They were now, incredible. Marvel itself, like, I've seen it all. The plot lines are the same. That wasn't what, what was really the kicker for me. Because I think those TV shows are supposed to be, a, like, a little side thing like it's Mm. helpful if you watch them but you don't have to yeah but with that they used the 50s techniques film film techniques to make the film that was that was great it was really good it was beautiful and it was so fun and i looked forward to it absolutely every week 
And I like I loved all of their television shows that came out. It was good this year actually. It's been it's been such a treat. It has to be a Marvel fan this year. Indeed. What a time. It has come to my attention that we have been talking for quite a long time and we have not realised it. I want to talk about Outlander really quick. I haven't seen Outlander. Have you not seen Outlander? No. Can we talk about it another time? I just Can wanted I to say it? something that's really cool about Outlander. What it's called? Is it's, it's set in the 18th century mm-hmm. and it's in Scotland. Very yes. groovy. Love all those things. And lots of people were criticising the historical accuracy of a lot of Claire's gowns. Now, Claire is a time traveller from the 1940s. She accidentally time travelled back. But I think her costumes actually represent her character really well because they are 40s style mixed with the 18th century. That's delightful. Which is really spicy because it shows that she's like putting her own spin on it, mm. which I love that. I'm into it. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say. I love it. I love That's it. That's all I wanted to say. And with that, that is pretty much all we have time for. Thank you guys so much for joining us again as we talked pretty much everything about the films and TV shows that we loved and that we didn't like about the costumes and their historical (laughs) accuracy. But before we go, we would like to acknowledge that we are living and creating on stolen land and would like to further acknowledge the traditional owners of that land, the Turrbal and Yagara people in what is now called Brisbane and the Bidjigal and Gadigal people of the Eora Nation in what is now called Sydney. We pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. And we'd also like to thank the wonderful Fee, who has put this to, put this podcast together. Yeah. Thank you for being our sound design extraordinaire. We would be lost without you, so thank you, Fee. And with that, that's all we have time for. Yeah, we have an Instagram. It's at If Clothes Could Talk AUS. We also have a YouTube channel. Yes. If Clothes Could Talk. That's our main platform at the moment. I don't know. Who knows? Who can Where tell we'll the go. future? Indeed. I do want to do a whole other episode on the historical accuracy of the costumes of Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, that we is will. A whole episode as it's well. very exciting. And if you have a movie, film, TV show, all of those things that you want us to watch and talk about the costumes, or if you have a like or dislike of the costumes in a certain film, we want to know. We want to know. We want to know. So email us yes. at aus at gmail.com. We'd love to have a chat. Come and chat with us. Indeed. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.